0: Hi, it's Jay Mueller from Bad Producer Productions. Thanks for listening to this podcast. It's one of seven we currently produce. They include The Garrett, Team Effort, Childproof by Tony Martin and Geraldine Quinn, Game Changers with Craig Bruce, In the Pocket NFL, The Greatest Season That Was 93, and our newest podcast, The Final Word Cricket Podcast with Jeff Lemon and Adam Collins. I don't know which of those you're about to listen to, but whichever one it is, I hope you enjoy it and I'm grateful for your time and enthusiasm. Thank you. All of our podcasts are supported by the generous team at A.V. Jennings. For more than 85 years, A.V. Jennings has created communities for people just like you. A.V. Jennings communities are designed for the way people want to live today. To find out more, visit avjennings.com.au. A.V. Jennings, your community developer. Thanks for listening, and thanks for supporting our sponsor, A.V. Jennings. Hello, Craig Bruce here.
1: Thanks for listening to another season of Game Changers Radio. Game Changers Radio is sponsored by Radio Monitor. Radio Monitor is the radio industry standard for music monitoring across the UK and Europe. If you're a music director, assistant content director or a content director, this platform is absolutely key and critical to do your job well. It's big in North America as well. I use it. There's a bunch of stations I help out in Canada, which I can monitor really easily and effectively using Radio Monitor. There's stations I help in New Zealand as well, same thing. It's an absolutely amazing platform. It's now available in Australia. Radio Monitor collects airplay data from more than 170 stations across Australia. The service keeps track of commercial, community, ABC and digital stations. And the guys at Radio Monitor contacted me because they know most of you are connected to the industry and they want to hear from you. So as I said, if you're a music director or a content director, assistant content director, it doesn't matter the size of the station, get together talk about the importance of this platform and then reach out via email aus, A-U-S at radiomonitor.com if you mention this podcast you'll get a three month trial absolutely free so it's fantastic to have radio monitors support for season four of game Changers. you can find all of our previous chats with the best in radio today at radiogamechangers.com.au thanks for listening let's do it
0: game changers The show about the people who make the shows. Not the people behind the scenes. Not the companies. The people behind the mics. The The people who put it all on the line. The people who put their personalities and lives on display every day. And invite you to either love them or hate them.
1: Hi, this is Craig Bruce and welcome to Radio Game Changers. This is the wrap-up for Season 4. It's been a belter. We're going to have a look at some of the highlights and lessons from this series in just a couple of seconds. But first, an announcement that we're all pretty excited about. The next Radio Game Changers series is going to feature the top five rising stars on Australian radio right now. Hmm, who are they? Well, that's where you come in. So we've partnered with radiotoday.com.au. And over the next couple of weeks, we want you to vote for the person you think is Australian radio's rising star, Now, I'm going to give you a list of 12 names to choose from. This list is arbitrary. and You know, these are the people that I think, and yes, it's completely subjective. These are the people that I think are the best 12 radio presenters who are going to be the stars of the future on Australian radio. Now, there's no age limit to this list, although most are under the age of 35. The majority are working in regional markets, but I have, there are a couple of radio presenters from the metro markets who are either, they're either young, they're new to the industry, or they're not doing a breakfast or drive show, one or the other. Don't argue with the list, okay? I don't want to hear about it on Twitter or Facebook. Just these are the 12 names. Pick who you like from the 12 names, and then once the votes are collated, will interview the top five individually with the number one rising star, as per your votes, being announced at the end of their interview. So, the 12 to choose from are these names. Tanya Hennessy from Canberra, doing the Hit 1047 Breakfast Show. Ash London from the Hit Network Nights Show. Heather Maltman, who is on the Gold Coast at CFM doing breakfast. Smallsy from Nova Nights. Mikey and Emma from Edge Sydney Breakfast. Amos Gill in Adelaide at Hit 107. Ben and Liam at Triple J, the Thinker Girls Kiss Nights, Zoe Marshall, who is Nova Brisbane Weekend Breakfast with her husband, Benji, Ryan John, also in Canberra, Dave Matthews, who is at Hot 91 on the Sunshine Coast, and Pete Corelli at Mix 94.5 in Perth. So, voting opens in a week from now. It's Monday, April 17, and you can vote at radiotoday.com.au. So, voting lines open from Monday, April 17, radiotoday.com.au, and then stand by for the Radio Game Changers special event. It's the top five rising stars on Australian radio coming soon. Game Changers. All right, so let's talk about some takeaways from Series 4, starting with Tim Blackwell. Craig, it's nice to see you. The story of a great announcer who has become a critical content contributor on one of the best shows in the country. It hasn't happened often when you think about it. You know, Kyle Sanderlands was an announcer, albeit unconventional, before he moved into Breakfast. Brendan Jones from WS was a really good music announcer before moving into Breakfast. So look, it's a career worth studying for those of you who want to transition from announcer to show content. So how did Tim do it? Well, he did it step by step. He listened when he could easily have spoken and he bit off small chunks instead of diving in head first.
2: I had to earn it. Like, um, even though I consider uh, Kate Brook and Dave Hughes to be still some of my closest friends and we talk a lot and we see each other a lot, I didn't just. Get that job, and and they just—I mean—they made me work. The, I, I when I made mistakes, I knew I made mistakes. Um, when I was a bit maybe chatty, I knew I was being a bit chatty. But then once you kind of hit that little rhythm, mm. it's it, it's incredible, and to and to to have you know the, one of the premier comedians in the country, and just one of the greatest broadcasters, let alone minds in the country, and Kate kind of be your teachers, but your live Monday to Friday, 6 till 9am teachers. They taught me how to interact with people in the office. They taught me, you because know, being a jock is a very solitary thing. I mean, the only thing that got me excited being a jock was opening a new highlighter and then just <laughs> highlighting my talk <laughs> breaks. <laughs> but to get into a room with Dave and Kate and to watch them you were saying, you know, you like to watch people watch the radio. Yep. Watching them interview someone, for instance. Like, I had a front row seat. Yeah. I'm sitting there. I'm watching the interaction in the song beforehand. Mm. This is how you do it. Oh, they don't like this person. They bring them in, not live on air, so there's no before chat. Like, it was an unbelievable lesson. It was a real boot camp in radio. Mm. But, God, we had a lot of fun. Mm. because It was hard. The first six months were really tough. I'm not going to say it was the easiest job in the world because they were the best. Yep but god when we were on air and we had so much fun it was the greatest feeling in the world
1: and when it really counted after he had accumulated enough skill and experience he went about creating a show which broke so many of the conventional radio rules that his heroes had followed religiously
2: well you've got to do what you you have to do like i mean as i said i did a lot of radio before this this is mm. this is this cherry on the top of my career so sure. far and yep. We've earned the position. I'm not going to say that if our shift ever changes or if one of us goes somewhere else that we won't have to go back into that form of radio. Yep. But for this time in in this moment in time, we have been given an opportunity to make the radio show we want, and this is the radio show we want. All
1: right, let's talk about Wendy Harmer.
3: When I arrived to do uh, radio in Sydney, as I say, the Doug Mulray uh, tradition was there and been around a long time, and and something I never listened to, but I know that it was made up of lots of characters, people doing character pieces and so on, and and a lot of uh, pre-produced work. Yep. And, um... (sighs) With Brad March working at Today FM, I think that we developed a very different kind of radio, and that was a real collaborative effort. And I think a lot of what is in radio around in radio today comes out of what Brad and I did uh, in uh, 1993 yep. at Today FM.
1: What a career! You know, a brilliant writer, a brilliant stand-up. TV host and, you know, one of the true pioneers of FM radio. Wendy talked about something that I think we can easily forget in our quest to find the next content spike and, you know, we get caught up in the 24-7 media cycle, which obviously is really important from a breakfast perspective. The thing that Wendy reminded me was that words really do matter. You know, Wendy has always been interested in language. She understands how powerful it can be. And on radio, when you think about it, it it really is all we have.
3: If you... Come to really love words, and you love language. Uh, that love is um, engendered in many ways. I mean, I love the look of words on the paper. I like the patterns they make. I like the sounds words make. I, words ma- I, I like, and then that's even before you get into the actual meaning of those words. And I'm sure that um, most uh, stand-up comics would tell you if they've been working a long time. The way you get. To to craft a story um, is really interesting. And the silence in between the words comes to be incredibly important as well. So there are lots of ways to fall in love with language.
1: So the way you construct a sentence, that unique turn of phrase, that ability to be able to make sense of the world and how we relate to each other, it is the single most important skill you can bring to your on-air career. And if you're starting out, it's not too late. Take acting classes, join an improv group, Read more, read out aloud. take an interest in how the world works. There's a million things you can do to sharpen the axe. You know, the impact happens when you say something that creates an emotional response.
3: Every person who's on radio who does talk back will tell you that there will be times when you can hear great distress in a person's voice and you know that they're having a hard time in their life. That will spill over into tears. You have to be, I think, a really well-rounded human being. There's a lot of vulnerability. People are very vulnerable when they ring up a radio station. And what they want is for you to be able to sort of, you know, they want to know that they're going to be in safe hands Mm. if they ring you. That's what I think is the most important thing.
1: Episode three was Jamie Dunn. Mate, how are you going? Haven't well, it, seen you for what? Years. I was going to say, is it 20 years? Yeah, it must be. And if you've heard this episode, you would have been immediately reminded, like I was during the interview, why Jamie was such a potent force on the radio. You know, Kyle used to um, uh, hang around and uh, he was doing stuff in
4: Perth yep. and talks he was about you often. Desperate to get on. I oh, know you were a and radio hero. He you. said that. I was like more like his friend when he was listening. Right. To, and that's because I don't have a radio voice. Yep. But I got, I got some radio now, now but I, I you know, didn't have that. And, and, you know, truly, it was accidental here. Like Agro, it
1: was an accident. He's just an incredibly engaging storyteller, just born to be on the radio. You know, the thing that also struck me was his connection with the audience, not the audience that lived next door to him in one of the streets he owned in Paddington in Brisbane. <laughs> they weren't B105 listeners. He connected with and in every sense did the show for the audience in the suburbs. I drove in here today. An hour ago, coming here,
4: I um, went to a servo and the guy behind the counter takes my money and he goes, oh, by the way, um, thanks for everything you did with the hospital appeal. Just sensational, you know. Mm. And this is how many years later? We're talking 20 years, 25 years later. There's a person that connects with me. And he connects with me because of B one hundred and five. Yeah, that appeal was sensational Mm. for everyone. Our salespeople, you know, you talk. That's what I mean. It's changed because our entire sales department would go out to the Logan Motorway, which was a toll road in those days, and they would shake the cans. And an old Falcon, rusty old old Falcon, had come up, and the plumber in there was, you know. You yeah, know, looked like shit. Yep. And he hands over $150 cash mm. and he goes, you know, for the children's hospital and off he go. Mm. And and they were meeting the very people that we were broadcasting to. Yep. And for your sales department to do that, I, de- I defy radio stations. this I don't think there's anyone around that have actually met the listeners, actually one-on-one, you know, spoken or, or, or had contact with or just seen what they drive or how they drive or what they do or what their emotions are. Mm. And, and that appeal just did so much for the hospital, for B105, for the team mm. that
1: was B105. Jamie is so right. I mean, let's be honest. Apart from the breakfast document that says we're targeting a specific demographic, most of us don't really know who our audience is and what matters to them. And Jamie did. And he did on a really deep level. And that's why, one of the reasons why he was so successful on the radio.
4: Because the hardest thing to be on radio is yourself. That's the truth. That's why other people can't cut it. Because I didn't ever try and be anything other than me. Don't have any skills. I talk over people. I've got a shitty voice. And and that's what was successful at that time.
1: Speaking of sustained success, Robin Bailey, a critical part of series four, and for anyone who was questioning the strength of Robin's relationship with her audience in Brisbane, survey one was a reminder as to how deep and real that connection was. You know, her new breakfast combination on Triple M gets a three point rise in her first survey, and I must admit, I, I didn't think they would move that quickly to a format that isn't the perfect fit for them in terms of her female target that listened at ninety seven.
5: I learned how to talk really effectively to women, predominantly female audience on 97. If I can do even a little bit of that to a predominantly male audience, Mm. what a great broadcasting experience that will give me. Yeah. So that's how I see it. They really want me here. They've been amazing. Mm. Like Ed and Mardo particularly have just backed me to the absolute hilt. And they, you know, as Ed comically says, most people get rejects from The Bachelorette and we get someone with 20 years experience. <laughs> yeah. So, but yeah, look, I'm not kidding. It's it's a big gig.
1: What I loved about Robin was her attitude to new concepts and story arcs. As an old PD, Rob Logan used to say to me, you know, you need to get to the emotional heart of a concept to execute it well. And that's exactly what Robin does.
5: What we do is when we'd have plannings or we'd be doing story arc plannings or, you know, with whatever I'd have to get I'd have to be able to feel it. I had to know that I had somewhere to go with it. and, and you know criticism or not, I think my, most of my life in general is is lived in my heart mm-hmm. um, and I'm learning and getting better at living in my head. So it was everyone else's kind of gig too and Terry would see the comedic side of it um, and you know the, the producers like Ruth and Alan who's still their produce, assistant producer there now would then logistify it. If yep. That's a word, um, but I just had to be able to go. Okay, if I was, uh, who am I talking to, and and what would they think about this, and what would they feel about it? And right. that's how I. That's how I do it.
1: Ruth talked about a natural curiosity that you that you have as well. Do you think you can cultivate that sort of skill, or is that just something that that is
5: that um, I, a
1: part of who you are?
5: Stop talking about yourself. <laughs> <laughs> Seriously. You know, and, and I think it's – I have three sons, right, and they're 12, 14, and 16, and I'm a single mum. So I'm having to try very hard to give them the male structure that they need within their lives because their, their dad's not here. Yep. and But I'm really intent of giving them a heart too. Mm. So – and boys don't want – huge amount of words uh, you know after my husband died my middle son said to me mum you've got to go back to work and I said why and he said because you're using too many words on this <laughs> so you know I get it people don't necessarily want to be talked at mm-hmm. what they want to do is talk about themselves mm. and I think that is an innate human thing mm. some blokes aren't great at it mm. and I will say that um, in in my dealings but listen mm. stop it's not about you And you'll get tidbits that become interesting.
1: Story arcs, next level thinking only works if there's 100% buy-in from the show. You can always hear when a team or a presenter is performing someone else's concept. That ain't going to happen with Robin. Unless she feels it in her bones, it's not making the cut. Ash Bradman, another star of the Brisbane market. Could you feel the force of Ash's personality coming through your headphones? He has this energy that hits you from the moment he starts speaking. But, you know, the thing that stood out for me was his raw honesty.
6: Well, it was about getting sober. Right. For me, it was about getting sober, which I never did. Hmm. I I didn't. I didn't. I got no long-term sobriety up. I went from, um, you you know, I remember that day, that day of my birthday, In one sense, I was relieved that it was public because it had been so private for so long and such a nightmare that I was like, okay, at least I'm going to get help now. At least I'm going, who cares really that people know. um, I can do something about it now. I can do something about it. Yeah. And I had no, it was the first time that I really had got serious about it and taken Mm. it seriously. And I just Mm. thought I was going to be able to kick it. Mm. And I, I, I had no idea like that. I had no idea how sick I was, right? And I just, um, I wasn't. Ultimately, I, I, I just went from rehab to rehab to rehab, and
1: just would bust straight away. You know, you've got that paradox of you've 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 made a career out of being honest, and yet you know the biggest challenge you've had away from the mic is dealing with with some of those challenges.
6: Yeah, no, I see what you're saying, but I, I I just felt like this time around it. I didn't care about my radio career. I couldn't. I was like, I was going, I was going to kill myself. Really and right. I was just like, I got to give this a go yeah. at, at just being sober. Yeah. And and I know, honestly, it's a miracle that I'm here to be mm. honest. And I'm just so grateful. Mm. And I can't believe that I'm doing what you I'm, I'm loving, I'm loving life, and I'm and I'm back on the radio. And 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 I've never enjoyed it more.
1: Yep. He's flawed. You know, there are some edges and some complications, but I reckon that is one of the reasons the audience like him so much. You know, he's not some polished performer with a white teeth and fake smile that you might see on a 100 different radio billboards around the country. Ash is as messy as the rest of us, and all of that is on the air. You know, the good, the bad, the strong opinions, the stream of conscious thought process.
6: I just think that if we're doing something interesting, that it's going to be interesting to mm. everyone. To, to everyone, yep. I, re- I really do. And I used to, I used to worry about this kids in the car and <laughs> and all all of this type of thing. And yep. and then I I just said to Susie the other day, I went, Hang on a second, what? Well, where the people Susie cuz Susie's got kids the same age as me mm. i went where the people we're supposed to be worried about mm. like i'm a, my kids are 13 11 and 5 yep and i would let them listen to any fucking thing that we do yeah. on, on air and i'm going, who are we worried who are these kids in the car well, that's exact- that have to be so protected
1: and all of that you know, it makes the Nova Breakfast show a little dangerous and a little unpredictable, and, and I think that's one of the reasons why it's been such a success over such a long period of time. And finally, Andy Lee. <laughs> G'day, Craig. Look, I hope you got as much from the Andy interview as I did. It was just a, an amazing you know, chance to sit down and reflect on a show that has just reset the rule book for Australian radio. I guess the challenge for me was trying to find one thing to focus on as a highlight from our chat, and after some deliberation... I think the thing that all radio shows can learn from Hamish and Andy is their all or nothing attitude. You know, for them, it's always been a case of, if we're going to do something, we've got to be all in.
7: in the busiest roundabout in Ho Chi Minh City in Vietnam, and Hamish and I went out on these bikes, these tiny little motorbikes, and had a 350-lap race <laughs> of of this roundabout, and... Not until we actually drove out where truck wheels are bigger than us because we're so close to the ground. I was like, gee, this is actually really dangerous. But we started going and it's 35 degrees and we're going round and round and round and round and round and round. And it's just relentless, <laughs> finger down. And you get caught behind a car and suddenly aims two laps, but you might get it back and you're going round and round and round and round. And I crash out my bike stops working. and around I think it was 350 laps or 250, whatever it was. With around about 60 laps to go, I'm out of the race. I don't have a spare bike. And I'm like, all right, Ham, well, I'm out. We're not going to show 60 laps of you going round and round because yeah, it's done. So if you want to do like 10 more laps, wrap it up. He's like, nah. No way. This is, if, if I crash out, then we've both, no one, it's a did not finish. That's how races work. I was like, well, we're not going to have a did not finish. He goes, no, yeah, absolutely will. <laughs> so he just sits there. I'm just sitting there drinking water, watching him <laughs> round and round, round and round for probably another hour. <laughs> then he gets to the end and says, yes. <laughs> All the cameramen are going, why are we doing this? <laughs> but that's his dedication to the idea. Right. He, he loves it being real, and so do I. But it, that was so pointless. It wasn't going to make any difference, and no one would no even know. But um, that's, that's the fun of it.
1: Now, I guess the question would be, is this attitude innate, or can it be replicated? And, and it can be replicated. The answer is yes, it can. But I suspect it won't be in most cases. I mean, for most shows, this, this is just too much like hard work. But why I think this type of approach is so important goes back to a really simple view I have of radio engagement and where we sit in the world of our audience. They're not listening to you, sorry to say. I mean, you're on in the background, but you're fighting for attention and to make your mark, you're going to have to be all in with whatever it is that you're doing. I remember Tony Martin talking about this in series two. You know, when I asked him why they went to so much effort, he just said, look, we didn't want to do anything that wasn't anything less than amazing. You know, we, we felt like we'd be wasting the listeners time if we didn't go hard every time. So, you know, there you go, radio game changes with 25 interviews in, and this is the one thing that is absolutely true of every single one of them. They just, they, none of them leave anything on the sidelines. And if you can bring that to your show every day, then success will surely follow. Hope you enjoyed Series 4. See you in a couple of weeks for our Rising Stars special event. Talk to you soon.
0: Game Changers Radio is a production of Craig Bruce Coaching and Bad Producer Productions. Subscribe at iTunes or download episodes at radiogamechangers.com.